How do you know if freelance writing is the right move for you? Let's talk about it today. You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. So the way I see it, there are two types of people who come into my orbit. People who want to get paid to be writers and people who are looking for ways to work from home and they wonder if freelance writing is the right thing for them. The good news is that freelance writing works for both of these types of people. If you have, you know, the other skills and infrastructure that you need to make it work, there is no wrong reason. You know, there it's not that one is right or better than the other. These are two valid approaches to the business. Um, and freelance writing is great for both approaches. So my particular approach, um, I always kind of fancied myself a writer in that I acknowledged that the way I was able to communicate most easily and most effectively was in writing. I was, I mean, when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be an author and I had the books living inside of me that needed to come out and, and all of that. But when it actually came time to study or practice creative writing, I wasn't really into it. <laughs> I would start journals frequently, but I would never really maintain them. So I have a, you know, a pile of quote unquote journals from my childhood that have maybe 20 pages with anything written on them. I, I just, I found that when I needed to communicate, writing was the way that I was able to do it most easily. It's not that I was obsessed with writing and I wasn't this kind of dream headed writer person. It's just how I liked to share things, share myself, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, I went into journalism. I went to college for journalism. I worked on the school paper in high school. Uh, and that was fine. It was kind of interesting. I'm glad I had that experience. And then I went to Carolina to study journalism. I sort of was toying with the idea actually of going into the photojournalism track, but I ended up deciding I was also not a photographer in that I knew how to operate a camera. My composure was fine. Um, or I'm sorry, my composition and stuff was fine, but I took a photography class and I just thought, you know, I don't identify as a photographer the way my classmates do where it was like they ate slept and breathed photography and I just I didn't have the obsession and I knew that I wasn't going to cut it if I didn't have the obsession because photojournalism is you know it's tough it's not easy um so I abandoned the camera and picked up the keyboard again <laughs> And I majored in journalism and I worked uh, at Carolina. I worked on the school paper and then I decided I hated being in the newsroom. I just, I felt like all the journalists were obnoxious. I don't know. I really didn't like the editorial team that year, etc. So then I switched tracks and joined the magazine. I worked for the school magazine. We put out a monthly magazine and that was pretty cool. 
Um, I wish I had dug in a little bit deeper. Um, but fast forward to the end of my senior year, and I was I finally had landed a, a like a week long kind of an internship type thing at the um, at the Raleigh paper at the big paper in Raleigh, which is the biggest city near Chapel Hill. And so I sat in on the like the editorial calendar meetings and the who's you know what's going to be on the front page decision making process and I, I shadowed folks who were working on the paper I thought I wanted to be a copy editor so I kind of shadowed that desk for a while and I realized that I hated that newsroom too <laughs> and that's when I began to panic because I was graduating in like three weeks and I was all set to go be a journalist and I realized that I kind of I enjoyed the writing part but I hated basically everything else that came with it I hated wrestling with the technology I hated dealing with the editorial staff. I hated the the weird hours and the schedule and the smells and <laughs> I hated it. So <laughs> what does every soon-to-be college graduate do when they panic? They apply to grad school. <laughs> so I applied to grad school. Anyway, and then I had to leave grad school after six weeks. I had to withdraw because of a head injury from falling down a flight of stairs, which was just, you know, fabulous and amazing. Um, and from that experience, I was like, well, what the heck am I going to do with myself? I can't. Um, the challenge, the real challenge for my head injury is that it affected the part of the brain where um, like language, like vocabulary is accessed. I forget what part of the brain that is, but I basically forgot the meaning of most words. I I ventured at the time to estimate that I lost access to 70%-ish of my mental dictionary. Um, I would look at things like a pencil, and I couldn't come up with the word pencil. Um, I couldn't uh, come up with like the word tire on my car. Um, just things like that. It was It was so difficult. Having been a person whose identity was based around language and written communication, the fact that I couldn't read because I didn't understand the words, because I couldn't remember what any of these words meant, it was actually kind of an identity crisis. Um, the other thing was that effect, the other thing that was affected was um, grammar and just kind of language comprehension. So I say I couldn't read. I could read. My eyes could see the words. I would know how to pronounce, well, many of them. I would know how to pronounce them or just sort of instinctively be able to guess how to pronounce them accurately. But it was like I'd never seen those words before. Um, and the other challenge was that when I would read, I'd start at the beginning of a sentence. I could, I could retain maybe like seven words of a sentence, but if a sentence went any longer than maybe six or seven words, and I counted one day, it was so traumatic. By the time I get to the end of the sentence, I would have forgotten was at, what was at the beginning of the sentence. So I was I was reading things over and over and over and still lacked comprehension because I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember the get, beginning of a sentence by the time I got to the end of it. It was so difficult. And also, just so frustrating because of the timing. I was six. This happened in September. I had graduated the previous May and I had spent four years getting this degree in English, grammar, writing, journalism, communication, 
like that was my thing. I had a, I had a majored in journalism with an outside concentration in English. Um, and in my outside concentration, I learned about things like the psychology, the philosophy of language and the like intro linguistics and English grammar. I took higher level English grammar, which was nuts. And hit like the history of English, which, which, you know, taught us how the English language came, you know, how it started and how it kind of progressed and how it became what it is now. I had just spent four years cramming my brain full of all these incredibly, oh, etymology. That was another thing I'd studied. Really, really useful things for someone who wants to get into words for a living. And then I fell and I got this traumatic brain injury and it was all gone. It was, it's like it was all erased. It was terrible. And, and the really, the thing that the really crushing thing was that a lot of it didn't come back, which I try not to think about. (laughs) I used to be able to not only answer questions about grammar, but I could explain why the rule is the way that it is and how that rule developed in English. Turn my notifications off on my phone. And now it's like, I'll look at something and and I'll be like, I kind of feel like it's supposed to be this way, but I don't remember why. And then I go look it up. And then maybe I will retain that information because it used to be lodged in my brain, but then it got dislodged. Um, So maybe I'll retain it. Maybe I won't. Um, Helping my almost nine-year-old go through his third grade English is actually really helpful because it's bringing back some of that stuff I'd studied. Anyway, all that to say, I could I had just graduated. I had just enrolled in graduate school studying linguistics um, with the intention to do like, I kind of wanted to go into historical linguistics, but the master's program I was in was more about applied linguistics, which, you know, was still very cool. Um, but I only lasted six weeks before I had to withdraw because of my brain. And then what was I going to do? So I started working in nonprofits, doing program coordination and database management and stuff like that. And I did nonprofits for a while. I worked in a higher ed nonprofit. I worked in, um, what are some of the other ones I did? I worked for an affordable housing nonprofit. I worked for a mental health nonprofit. I worked for a healthcare foundation, which was really cool being a part of a foundation. That was really cool. All my jobs actually were pretty cool, but, um, they were also not the kind of thing I wanted to do forever. And I knew that. I knew that I wasn't going to work in nonprofits forever. I actually thought I was going to get married, which I did, um, and and have kids and be a stay-at-home mom. But I also knew that the my, my first husband's salary, you know, and the kind of career future he envisioned for himself did not really lend itself to being a single-income household. So um, I started to get my head around, maybe I can work from home. And this was maybe 2008-ish, and I was reading all these blogs. It was kind of the heyday of really cool blogs that some of which are still around, many of which have retired by now, at least the ones that I used to read. Um, But a lot of them were either like personal finance blogs talking about making money online, or they were kind of like mom-oriented blogs, even though I wasn't a mom. Uh, But I really liked reading these. And, And they would mention... Um maybe they were like kind of frugal living blogs, simple living, that kind of thing. And I I began to notice that some of these bloggers were talking about making money online by writing. And my little sensors went up and I was like, what is that? 
I need to know what that is. They were freelancing, which is a word that I had heard in my journalism days, but it wasn't something I paid a whole lot of attention to because I had planned to get on staff somewhere. Way to think ahead, Ashley. So anyway, <laughs> the long view is not always my strength. Um, so yeah, when I realized that people were writing online for clients, I decided that that was the thing for me. I was, I was five years out from my head injury by then. By the time when I got started, I was, well, I was like four, a little over four years out from my head injury. And I thought that I had certainly recovered well enough to be able to write again. And so I went for it. Um, I figured it out eventually. I went the long and difficult way. Um, and my approach, remember in the beginning, five hours ago when this podcast started, we were talking about the two different approaches, people who want to get paid to write and people who want to get, people who want to work from home and they think maybe writing is a way to do it. I had kind of a mix of both approaches. I'd always, I, I had built up this future in my head of being a writer. It just it hadn't come to fruition for various reasons, some of which were my own doing and some of which were not. But it seemed like this might be a new way to make that happen. So I was a mix. So if you are a mix as well, welcome to the club. Anyway, I want to spend the rest of this podcast talking about how to know if freelance writing is the right move for you. I knew it was the right move for me. I just instinctively knew it checked so many boxes for me and I knew that I could figure it out. Um, so if you are wondering if maybe you don't have that assurance or maybe you're having a moment of doubt, then this is for you. These are some ways that you can know whether or not freelance writing is right for you. The first and possibly the most important thing is that you don't hate writing. <laughs> and notice I didn't say you love writing because if you love writing, you could be getting in yourself into trouble. This is a this is a a trouble spot for some people because if you love writing and you you think of yourself as a specific type of writer, then you may have trouble committing or you may have trouble with um some of the other expectations that will be put on you as a freelance writer. You may have, you may be so committed to a specific type of writing. Like if you were ace at all of your English assignments and you could analyze and, and compare, you know, do a literary analysis in your sleep, upside down with your eyes closed and the lights off. You may struggle as a freelance writer because the type of writing that you're going to be doing is so different from the type of writing that you need to do as a literary analysis. Now, you can bring in your analysis skills for sure, but it's going to look a whole lot different. And if you send in academic writing to a client, your client's going to cry and then you're going to cry because it's not what they want. Copywriting and writing for the web are very, very different from academic writing. They also tend to be very, very different from creative writing. Not necessarily. Now, if you have studied storytelling and you understand plot and elements of story and tension and things like that, and you are able to take those hard skills and translate them into writing, writing for the web, you could do very well. Master marketers are master storytellers, but they aren't just telling stories. They are folding in persuasion and um, 
elements, you know, responsiveness, they're folding in urgency, they're folding in very specific messaging on top of the story. The storytelling is a vessel through which marketing can be done very, very effectively. So if you can if you can find a way to plug in there and you've got solid creative writing background, that may, that may work for you. But if you are too deeply entrenched in a style that you learned, for example, in school or in your writer weekend workshops, you know, or your MFA program, you may have trouble being a freelance writer. You have to open yourself up to what may very well be a completely different style of writing. So if you can only ever accept a, you know one of those types of writing, academic writing, creative writing, um, if anything that is not formal or authoritative is not something you feel comfortable with, you may struggle as a freelance writer. Um, if you if that resonates with you, I invite you to come into the Facebook group and we can talk it out. <laughs> um, there's a whole lot that I can say on this subject that I can't really cram into one podcast. Maybe I'll do a whole nother episode on it. Okay, another way to know, another way to decide whether or not freelance writing could be right for you is that you don't mind putting yourself out there. You aren't afraid to come out of hiding. Being afraid to market is something that held me back for a really, 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 really long time. Because I had all these misconceptions about what marketing was, I was also really afraid to put myself out there because I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to be criticized. I didn't want to be stupid. I didn't want to be a bad writer. I didn't want to fail. So I didn't put myself out there for a really long time. And a lot of my work came to me through ways that um, were a lot more natural for me, but also much slower. It wasn't until I started forcing myself to pitch, to actively pitch every single day that I got over this fear of putting myself out there. And then fear of rejection kind of melted away. The sting of rejection didn't always melt away, but the fear of rejection melted away. And so if you are not able to put yourself out there, you shouldn't really probably go into freelance writing. I can help you work through the fear so that you can become someone who puts themselves out there. Um, But if you're not willing to do that work and you're not willing to actually do it and trust me and hold your breath and take a leap and send the email, this might not be the right move for you. Which brings me to a third way to know if freelance writing is right for you. You need to be coachable. So being willing to adapt your writing style, being willing to learn how to put yourself out there, even though you're facing rejection, being open to, you know, to reworking the way that you do things or the way that you see things or think about things, that's being coachable, being able to take input, being able to take a, a critique, not a criticism, but being able to take a critique and not being so precious about all your perfect little words on a page. That's being coachable. So if you are coachable, you can go really, really far because when you're coachable, you're willing to admit that the way that you do things or see things or interpret things might not be the most accurate or effective or realistic way of doing so, which means that you are open to trying other things. And that is how you solve your problems. And that is how you make progress. If you're not willing to be coachable, then you're going to struggle. You will go way, you'll do way better for yourself way faster if you listen to coaching, not just if you listen to it, but if you buy into it. I didn't start making serious progress until I started paying for mentorship. 
And I'm not going to sit here and say you have to spend money to make money. But when you are willing to spend money, you can make money a lot faster. Um, okay, two more things. You need to be flexible. And, and that kind of goes along with being coachable. But it also means flexible with your subject matter. If you are only willing to write about dating and relationships, you may struggle. Whereas if you're willing to, to write about a bit more things that are boring to you, you'll have a lot, a lot more options. If you're committed to only writing blog posts, you're going to struggle with being able to make enough money to pay the bills. If all you ever want to do is write blog posts forever and ever, amen. You're going to get really tired of writing blog posts and you're going to have to write a heck of a lot of blog posts to make enough money long term for this to be sustainable and lucrative. So you need to be flexible with the formats that you write. Be flexible with the type of people that you work with. And now I will put some caveats on this. You don't have to be flexible forever. There's a specific type of business that I like to work with now and I might consider other types of clients, but for the most part, I know where I go best. I know where I work best and who I work best with. And that's pretty much who I'm going to stick with. But in the beginning, I've had to do a lot of really weird stuff. Like I'm not weird, but like I've, I've written a lot of really random stuff for a really wide assortment of clientele. And it took me doing all that stuff to figure out where I fit best. So having that flexibility up front will open you up to a lot more options. I don't know how many people send me an email and they're like, I want to write about simple living and uh, parenting and relationships and history. And I'm like, well, good luck to you. <laughs> You're going to have a, a hard time building a career on that if you want to be a freelancer because it's hard to find work in there in those genres. And so then they're like, well, I don't know if I want to write about that. Or they will say, okay, tell me what to write about. And the response to that, either it's, well, this is what I want to write about, and I don't want to be bored. That's great. You're limiting yourself. And if you're flexible, you give yourself more options, but you may get bored from time to time. I don't know that anyone ever died of boredom. They might have died by mistakes they made trying to relieve themselves of boredom, but the boredom itself didn't kill anybody. <laughs> Finally... Freelance writing may be a good fit for you if you like learning and applying. And this goes in two directions. If you like learning about writing or the business of writing and applying what you're learning. So kind of experimenting. This could go well for you because it means that you're open. It means that you're coachable. It means you're flexible and you're willing to try things until you find something that you really, really like, knowing that it may take some time. And if you like learning and applying things that you might be researching for a writing assignment, this gig is going to be a lot more enjoyable for you because you can find ways to enjoy the process, I guess. One of my first ongoing clients was a, um, I was, I was working on a blog. I was kind of rewriting it. If I remember right, it was a recipe blog for a grill manufacturer. And I kept meaning to buy one of their grills and I never did. And now I can't for the life of me remember what the name of it was. But anyway, um, I would go through their archives and rewrite their posts. And I did a lot of new ones as well. I think maybe I had a list or maybe I was pitching ideas. Anyway, I wrote this grilling blog. I didn't even own a grill at the time. I didn't even know how to operate a grill. I didn't, I didn't really like grilled food. I didn't like char on my food. Um, but I decided to plug in to this grilling scene because a lot of people like grilling 
what's the big deal about grilling? And because I was open and because I was learning and I was learning how to apply what I was learning about grilling, um, when we did get a grill, I had some cool ideas. We did some cool stuff. And there were a few things, a few of these grilling recipes that I adapted for um, like the oven or the stovetop too. And my life was better for it because I was working, I was getting this experience, I was getting paid, and I was also enriching this other area of my life. And and that was that was really satisfying. The pay wasn't great, but the experience was pretty satisfying. <laughs> that was way back in the day. I think I was still, yeah, I was still living in Colorado when I had that client. So that would have been 2011, I guess. Long time ago. Um, okay. That about sums it up. I feel like I'm about to start rambling and I will spare you. If you want to ramble with me, let me know and I'll come ramble with you in the Facebook group, which you can find at theinkwellguild.com. I invite you to come and join us. I just posted a rambly video in there today on the day that I'm recording this, um, talking about my new course, Booked Out Writer, which I will tell you about in just a second. Okay, so tell me, do you need more writing clients? If you do, then I challenge you to stop getting ready to get ready and start taking the real action steps that booked out writers take every single day to find, reach, and impress their ideal clients so that you can finally have the writing career of your dreams. And I encourage you to do so with Booked Out Writer, my newest course. Booked Out Writer is the everything you need and nothing you don't course for freelance writers who wanna skip the low paying work and start making good money with great clients now. Whether you have five hours a week to devote to this or you're ready to go full-time, Booked Out Writer is perfect for establishing yourself as an in-demand go-to writer. Learn more at bookedoutwriter.com.